Well, thank you so much for coming here to First Baptist Church this morning. Uh, My name is Joe Andrews. If you uh, are a guest today, I am not the pastor. The pastor is sitting off here to my right. He will be preaching next week, starting a brand new series uh, that is actually titled Saul of Tarsus. I'm really excited about it, and I'm sure that we're going to see how Saul turned into Paul, and I'm really excited about that series. Uh, Everybody's going to be glad to have you back. I know that. Uh, (laughs) I'm so glad to be here, though. And I'm glad that I get to finish up this series that we've been in. We've been in this series now. Uh, this is the fourth week. And uh, the series is called FBC Life. And what we here at FBC uh, say all the time is that we want you to be involved in FBC Life. We say FBC Life is worship, serve, connect. And when you do those three, those three things, it's going to help you reach out into the world. So worship, serve, connect and reach. We put it on our shirts. We have uh, gifts for you if you're a guest that have FBC Life on them. It's on our flags as you came into the parking lot. It's on our screen right now. I mean, it's everywhere that we go. And what we want to do is get you involved in those things, but we don't expect you to get involved in those things just because we say that you should get involved in those things. So what we've done uh, through this whole series is looked at the life of Jesus Did Jesus worship? Did he serve? Did he connect and did he reach? And if he did, and we're followers of him, we wanna be more Christ-like in everything that we do. In fact, that's what God is working out in our lives, this process of sanctification, him making us more like Jesus. And so that's what this whole series has been about. And we've seen that Jesus did all of these things amazingly well. Last week, we saw that Jesus was even connected uh, in relationships with other people. He had friends. He had a group around him that would encourage him, and he would give them purpose, and he would encourage them as well. The week before, we saw that Jesus served, and he served so well. And it wasn't just as an example for you and me to know how we should serve, though that is totally awesome. I mean, he gave us a great example on how we should serve. But at the core of who he was, Jesus was and is a servant. He came to serve you and he came to serve God. The week before that, we talked about Jesus worshiping the Father perfectly. Even in the face of temptation, Jesus worshiped God, his Father, perfectly. He didn't get sidetracked. He stayed focused on the most important thing. And that brings us to uh, today's message. And uh, today's uh, message is about reach, all right? And uh, as, as we've looked at all of these things, uh, we, we have said that FBC Life, this series, should be a commercial in your life, showing you what Jesus did. And because you love him and want to be like him, things that you should have in your life. And FBC Life makes that just a little bit easier. There are little steps that you can take, like FBC worship. You're here worshiping now. We've tried to make worshiping God easy for you by having this service and three others on a Sunday. All right, same thing with serve. We have teams, same thing with connect. We have connect groups and the same thing with reach. We have projects and things that we go on. So we hope that this is a commercial in your life and you think this is, these are the things that I need to do because Jesus did them. And Jesus uh, absolutely uh, reached. So uh, I, I know that you've 
You've probably caught on to my really complicated titles uh, over the last three weeks. I mean, we started off with FBC Life Worship and then FBC Life Serve and then FBC Life Connect. So I thought long and hard about this title and here's the title for today, FBC Life, a brief account of the life of Jesus and how he, being both God and man, reached to the very people he created because he loved them and wanted to spend eternity with them and in so doing inspires us to do the same. So if you could write that down really quickly, I'm just kidding. That is not our title today. Uh, We'll just go back to the normal title, FBC Life Reach. We want you to reach people like Jesus reached people. And Jesus loved to reach people. It was what he did. It was natural for him. Jesus's reach extends far beyond what we know from scripture. Do you know that? Jesus's reach actually extends far beyond what we learn in scripture. I know that's a little bit weird to say, all right? But if you can just think about it, For just a second, Jesus did so many things that the gospel writers let us in on, right? But that wasn't every single person that he came in contact with. That wasn't every single person that he had an interaction with. It wasn't even every single person that he reached. His reach even goes farther than the pages of scripture. I I love thinking about that. We also know that Jesus' reach even goes to us now, right? Jesus is still reaching people. Jesus has reached many of you, and that's a fact. And so as we think about Jesus's reach, let's think that it's not just what we see in scripture. In fact, even the passage that we're going to be in today, we're going to be in Matthew, but even in this passage, there's one verse that summarizes what probably took Jesus weeks to do. And we don't know all of the people that he touched during that time, all of the people that he healed, all of his miracles. We don't know We just don't know everything that happened. John, who walked with Jesus, all right, was one of Jesus's disciple, writes the book of John. And at the very end of saying everything John wanted to say about Jesus's life, this is how he concludes his book. This is awesome. John says this, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Isn't that awesome? John, the disciple says, I sure have covered a lot in what I just wrote all about Jesus's life. But he did so much more. He did so much more. And then he continues, where every one of the things that he did, if every one of them were to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Isn't that awesome to think of? Jesus is reaching people that you'll never know about. Jesus is reaching people here. He's reaching people all the way across the world. He's reaching people everywhere. And even in his earthly ministry, he reached more people than we even know of today. So what, uh, so what is, is reach? When we talk about FBC and reach, what we hope that you get involved in is reaching people like Jesus did. We want you to take his message to other people. That's what he did. I mean, he was on the earth and he was saying, follow me. He was drawing people to himself and that's what we want you to do. In fact, we say this all of the time here. Get people to Jesus. That's what reach is. Getting people to Jesus so that they can place their faith in him so they can be forgiven for their sins. 
I want to give you a little context uh, for where we're going today. Matthew is the one who wrote the book of Matthew. And Matthew was one of the disciples, all right? And Matthew walked with the Lord for probably about three years. So he knew Jesus. He knew him well. And as he's writing his story, he writes himself into the story. In Matthew 9, we see that Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. And Matthew's writing us the account of it. It happens in Matthew 9. It's really cool. If you want to go read it sometime, you can. But also, this is just the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's already done some amazing things, but it's still kind of the beginning of his ministry. So he calls Matthew. Also in Matthew 9, there's a few other things that happen. Jesus, uh, Jesus heals a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. All right, for 12 years, and she reaches out and she touches him, and she's immediately healed. And Jesus also heals the dead daughter of a man named Jairus, brings her back to life. In chapter 9, this is all just in one little chapter. Also in chapter 9, he heals two blind men. Also in chapter 9, he casts out a demon of someone that is demon-possessed. And so that gives us a little context of when we're jumping in to Jesus's ministry. And if there's one kind of overarching thing that I want you to understand today, it's this, that Jesus reached people wherever he went and whatever he did. Wherever Jesus went, he was reaching people. Whatever Jesus was doing, he was always reaching people. You have to know that as we get into the scriptures. Let's go uh, right now to Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went through all of the cities and the villages. So I'm just going to stop you there for just a second. He went through all of the cities and the villages. Now, this is talking about the area of Galilee. This is going to be west of the Sea of Galilee. And he is going around, walking to all of these different places. His disciples are with him. And he's going to all of these different places. But, I mean, that's a pretty big summary. He went throughout all the cities and the villages. What was he doing there? Well, Matthew tells us everything that he was doing there. He was teaching in their synagogues. Now, a synagogue would have been uh, a, a place of worship for the people where they could go because they lived farther from Jerusalem. Now, for a Jew, you would want to worship in Jerusalem. But if you didn't live in Jerusalem, you still wanted to hear the words of God. And so you would go to the synagogue. It might be in someone's house and might have a, a really large room in it. It might be a dedicated building uh, where everyone could gather, but everyone could go there. And it was a house. It was like a house of prayer. They would pray there. They would face Jerusalem as they prayed. There would be a synagogue ruler over the synagogue kind of directing things. Uh, and people could go there and, and the word of God was read to them, and the people absolutely loved it. And uh, moreover, you could also go in, and not only would you pray, not only would you hear uh, something, you would repeat uh, the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and everybody would repeat this. At the end of the service, there's 18 benedictions. There's so many things that went on in the synagogues. But uh, one thing that I think we're going to start implementing here is that. Uh, any male who showed up to synagogue could be called on to read scripture. So any males in here? Let's see. No, no volunteers. How about, how about this? Not only would they call on you to read scripture if you were male, they would also call on you to give the sermon if you were a male. And so you would have to comment on what was just read. Anybody? No, no takers on that one either. Just the pastor in the front row. He's pretty excited. He wants me off the stage. Uh, that's <laughs> an amen. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, 
Jesus went through all of the cities and he was teaching in their synagogues. Now, every city and every village didn't have a synagogue, but when they did, he would go there and he would preach. We know that he did this uh, one time and he was handed the scroll of Isaiah and he reads about how the Messiah would come and forgive sin and everything like that. And he told them all in the synagogue, I'm fulfilling this in your presence today. It has been, it has been fulfilled. So Jesus would go to these synagogues because why? Because followers of God would go there to hear God. Who better to teach them than the Son of God? So that's what he was doing, teaching in the synagogues. And he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That word proclaim uh, is the word to preach or to herald, okay? Jesus, everywhere that he went, would preach or herald the good news of the kingdom of God. Repent that, so that you can be forgiven of your sins. The word, the word proclaim, though, also has this idea of persuasively conveying truth, so everywhere, in all of the cities, in all of the villages, Jesus was persuasively proclaiming the truth, the gospel of the kingdom of God, that they could be one with God. And he was also healing every disease and every affliction. Is this not like the quickest summary of something that would have taken weeks and weeks? And we don't know all that went on in every place that he did, but he would preach, he would teach, and he would heal. That word heal, is, it means to bring, to recover someone's health. We talked about some of the things, or affliction or something like that. We already talked about some of the things that Matthew said that Jesus was doing when he healed the bleeding woman. When he raised the girl up from, her, from the dead, from her disease of dead. Okay, She was just dead. Other people were afflicted like the demon-possessed people, so he would cast the demons out. He would heal the blind. Jesus was doing some amazing, amazing things everywhere he went, in every city, in every village in the Galilee area. This is what Jesus was doing, and that's what we know about that. It's one little verse, and it's probably weeks of ministry uh, that Jesus did. So why would he go around doing all of these things? What motivated Jesus was the spiritual condition of others. The spiritual condition of others motivated the reach of Jesus. Jesus knew that the people in each of those villages, in each of those places, in each of those cities, in each of those synagogues, everywhere that he went, he knew that they had a spiritual condition that was not good. They were far from God. And so let's go to the next verse, verse 36. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, now the crowds is like common people. Don't think these were aristocrats or anything. This is just a common crowd. Now it says crowds. I don't want you to think that this is one occasion where Jesus was teaching and he turns around and he sees this crowd and he has compassion on him. That's not what this is saying. Remember the summary that we just read. Jesus was gaining popularity all the time. How can you raise a girl from the dead and not gain popularity? Not have people begin to follow you and go and see everything that you're doing. And that's exactly what happened. As he went from village to village and city to city, these people would begin to gather. And there's a crowd at every village. There's a crowd in every city. And so every time that the Lord saw the crowds he had compassion for them. That compassion 
is the word in Greek is, uh, it's a word that's really hard to say, splak something or other, I don't remember. But listen, this is, this is crazy. It means a gut-wrenching feeling, okay? Yes, it's compassion, but it's, it's down and it's deep. It's like it moves your insides that it's so deep because of the pity and the mercy that you feel towards these people. And that's exactly what Jesus saw when he looked around and he saw the crowds everywhere that he went, this deep compassion for them. Then it gives us the reason. Why did he have compassion on them? Because they were harassed and they were helpless. The people, the crowds, everyone in them was harassed and helpless. These two Greek words uh, give us a lot of extra kind of added information, all right? That first word, harassed, it means to be beaten. I'm sorry, it means to be torn apart. Harassed means to be torn apart. So Jesus looks among the crowd and he sees their spiritual condition is that they are torn to shreds. The word uh, helpless means that they are beat down, unable to help themselves. This is why Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He saw the crowds for who they were. I mean, we see crowds all the time. I was in Hatch. I was watching my uh, daughter's very first volleyball game and volleyball tournament. It was really fun. There's crowds of people there. You know what I forgot to do? Even though I was preaching this message today to see that crowd for who they truly were. There's probably some people who knew the Lord, but there was probably some people in that crowd that were beat down and torn apart. Some of you went to the Aggies game last night. There's a huge crowd at the Aggies game. I mean, huge, right? I mean, but those crowds are full of people that have a spiritual need. And Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he saw that they were beat down and that they were torn apart. And this is kind of internal what Jesus is thinking. He saw the crowds, he has compassion, they're, har they're harassed and they're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, why is that important? It's important because sheep without a shepherd don't have any direction, anyone to keep them near. Sheep without a shepherd don't have anyone to protect them. And so I, when I was a missionary in Argentina, I would go up these, uh, these long valleys and I would see goats and sheep herds everywhere that, that I went. And my favorite game to play, I don't know if you've played this as well, is find the shepherd. Have you guys played that? Find the, no? All right, it was so fun. It was the coolest game. So I would be on these long roads and as soon as I would see like a little flock of, uh, of sheep or a group of goats or whatever, uh, I would be like, okay, where's the shepherd? Because there was always a shepherd. He would always be somewhere. Sometimes he was just standing up and he was really easy to find. Sometimes it's like, where's Waldo? And you're like, man, where is this guy? Pull over to the side of the road. I'm gonna find him. I'm gonna get my binoculars out. I'm gonna do everything. I'm gonna find this shepherd. They would never leave their animals alone because it was dangerous. They would start eating and they would pasture and they would just kind of wander and do kind of what they wanted until they've separated themselves from the rest of the flock and they're in danger. Maybe they're in danger because they're on something high. Maybe they're in danger because there's a predator nearby. Jesus saw these crowds and he says, Here, here's the problem. The problem is, is that they don't have a shepherd. They're like sheep. They don't have a leader to lead them and they don't have a leader to protect them. All of their leaders have failed them. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the synagogue rulers, they, everyone had failed. 
these people. And Jesus sees right into the crowd, right into the hearts of everyone there. And he says, they're harassed and they're helpless. Every time I think of someone harassed and helpless, I remember uh, one, of, one of my friends in Argentina, her name was Rita, and uh, she has so many different beliefs than you and I have that all I can think is she is she's so lost. She doesn't know who God is. She's like a sheep without a shepherd. No one's leading her. And she's probably in danger. And I sat down with her one day and uh, I, I filmed her and I just wanted her to talk to me a little about what her and her people in this village uh, believe. So I want to introduce you to Rita. Yo soy Rita. Yo soy de la comunidad aborigen Quebrada del Toro y de, pertenecemos a la ciudad de Tastil, al pueblo Tastil. Eh, nosotros acá hacemos la ceremonia de la Pachamama. Se le hace en cualquier tiempo, cuando sembramos, cuando carneamos, cuando se hace el Inti Raimi, cuando es el primero de agosto. Generalmente el primero de agosto lo ofrendamos hasta el 31. Eh, es una cosa, una ceremonia muy sagrada y una cosa muy simple, muy natural. Ofrecerle lo que ella nos da, que es el sustento de cada día. Porque es pensar y querer dejarle en este mensaje a ustedes de que la Madre Tierra nos da lo que sea, sean frutos, sean animales, que luego hacemos este, las ricas milanesas, las carnitas, bueno, todo nos da ella. Nosotros es devolverle algo de ella, en de lo que ella nos da en agradecimiento, que ella nos fortalece. Por eso nosotros siempre estamos haciendo la ofrenda a la, a la Madre Tierra, a la Madre Naturaleza, para que ella nos ayude, purifique. Y, y nos vuelva a dar el sustento día, de cada día a todos y así como a nosotros, luego se vende, se da al, don, para San Antonio de los Cobres, vendemos mucho porque ahí no se dan nuestros productos y eso es lo que, lo que tiene que pensar el que vea este video piense que realmente si nos llenamos los bolsillos de plata, de dólares, de euros, de lo que quiera y la madre tierra no produce, ¿de dónde vamos a comprar? ¿de dónde vamos a hacer nuestro sustento? Entonces eso es lo que yo les quiero dejar en este mensaje y desearles muchas felicidades You see, my son was very concerned with her spiritual, uh, <laughs> her spiritual journey. Did you see him in the back? He's like four years old, just pushing a swing, screaming at me while I'm trying to record this. Uh, he's awesome. But this, this is, these are the people that I worked with day in and day out. Now, she would have told you that she was Catholic, but she didn't say anything about Jesus. She didn't say anything about God. Her, her whole world revolves around the Pachamama is what they call the Earth Mother. And they worship her. And I've seen ceremonies where they will open up a hole in the earth and they will give back to the earth mother for giving to them. And she talked about the sun god. That's an Inca belief. And this, she's a descendant of, of the Incas. And all of these things are kind of mixed together. And every time I see that, I think, <sighs> I'm so saddened. I have this gut-wrenching compassion for not only her, but all of the lost people in the world who don't know what they're doing, who don't know where they're going, they don't have a leader, they're in danger, are like sheep without a shepherd. So all of this has happened. Jesus is going around to all of these places. Jesus has compassion on all the crowds that he's seeing, and he wants now to com communicate that passion to his disciples. And so this is how he does it. Jesus motivated the disciples with some staggering statistics and a solution. So here's what I want you uh, to see. 
Jesus knows that he's not going to be with the disciples forever. And he sees that there's a big problem. Let's go to the next verse. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Now he uses a metaphor here too. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. After this reflection that these people are in trouble, they're like sheep without a shepherd. I need to tell my disciples about this. How can I do it? I'm gonna use a metaphor of this huge harvest that has to be brought in before you can't bring it in anymore, except there's a big problem. There's not enough people to bring in the harvest. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that there are so many people in the world, all right, who aren't following God, who are harassed and helpless, who are torn apart and beaten down spiritually, whether they know it or not, and the people reaching them with the good news of the kingdom are few. Now, I remember a few things from my sixth grade math class. Uh, mostly what I remember in my sixth grade math class was this. Mr. Morgan would tell me, Joseph, that's how he said it. I can do it. I'm, I'm telling you, if you could transport back in time with me, that's exactly how he said it. Joseph, turn around. <laughs> Joseph, turn around. I love to talk. I don't know if you knew that about me, uh, but I loved to talk and I got in trouble for it all the time. I also remember in math class that they taught me about greater than, less than, or equal to. And I think this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. The number of people in the world to be reached is much greater than the number of people reaching them. If you flip it around, the number of people reaching out into the world to lead that huge mass of people to know and follow the Lord is less than the number of people that need to be brought in. Jesus has a solution though. The solution is not something that you or I would have guessed actually. Here's the solution. Therefore, pray earnestly. That word earnestly is to beg and to plead because there is a deep, great need. So therefore, disciples, pray, plead, beg the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He didn't say... There's so many people out there that need to know about me, that need to know about the kingdom, so pray for them. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't even say there's a lot of people out there, so you guys need to go get them. Go out there and work in that field. It's not what he said either. He does say that later though, right? He sends them out. He says, pray to the Lord earnestly to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus' answer for the disciples then was just pray to the Lord that God sends more people out there to even that playing field just a little bit. Here's the next thing that I want you to see. If verse 37 is still true today, so is verse 38. Is it true? Is it true that the number of people in the world who don't know and follow Christ is greater than the number of people reaching out to them with the gospel. If that is true, and it is, then verse 38 is true too. And you and I can pray to the Lord that he would send more workers out into the harvest. I think one of the reasons that Jesus wanted the disciples to do this was so that they would have a compassion like he had as they would pray for these people, maybe God would begin to work in them, they would have compassion, and maybe one day they would go, and they did, right? They're the disciples. 
They changed the world after this. I think we can pray, and that will happen in our lives too. We'll gain compassion for these masses of people who don't know the Lord. And we'll want to reach them. And we'll want God to send more people to reach them. And we'll reach them whether they're here or whether they're there or whether they're really far away. We'll reach them wherever they are because we want to be like Jesus. And Jesus reached people. Next thing I want you to see is that the spiritual condition of others should motivate your reach, just like it did with Jesus. You should be able to have a deep compassion for someone that might not spend eternity with the Lord. That should motivate you to reach them. It should make you go to them. It should make you talk with them. It should make you do all of those things. I think we get so caught up in everybody around us and we just get caught up in our lives and we go here and we go there and so we cross, we cross the paths of so many people but we forget maybe about their spiritual condition. And it's not just people far away, like my friend Rita. It's people here in the city. It's people in your neighborhood. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe he's beaten down and torn apart, but to you, he's just been looking a lot like your neighbor. What about spiritually? Or what about your coworkers? What, what if they need to know who Jesus is? Because they're beat down and torn apart. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Do you have compassion in your heart for them? What if it's your spouse? What if your spouse doesn't know the Lord? What if your children don't know the Lord? What if it's your boss? No matter who it is, have compassion like Jesus had. Here's the last thing I wanna share with you today. Jesus has, already has, or is actively reaching you. Either Jesus has already reached you, and I would assume that that's probably a lot of us in here. We could say, Jesus has reached me. I've accepted his gospel. I've placed my faith in him. I know that my sins are forgiven, and I'll be with him for eternity. That's, that's probably a lot of us. I hope it is. But I know that in a room like this, there's definitely other people in this room. And other people in this room are being actively reached by Jesus Christ right now. How do I know that? Well, because I'm sharing the gospel from stage now. Jesus wants to know you. He wants to reach you if he hasn't already. Will you let him do that? I don't know exactly what you have to do in your life to respond to this message. Maybe it's, I need to pray that God sends more people. Or I need to share with some people. There's going to be some pastors here in a minute and, uh, as the song starts, and you can come and talk with the pastors on whatever you're thinking. Or maybe you just want to be part of a church that makes it easy for people to worship, serve, connect, and reach. You can tell us you want to join the church, or maybe you want to follow Jesus for the very first time because you've heard how he reached people, and that he has compassion for us all. You can come and you can share that with a pastor. You can respond there where you are. If you're a woman, there would be a woman, a woman here to pray with as well. So whatever you need to do, do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your message. We thank you for Jesus and his reach. He reached us. He reached me, and I'm so thankful for that. God, I pray that I would see people like Jesus saw them. God, I pray 
that I would not just look at a person and think, oh, that's just a person. No, but I would remember that there's a spiritual reality and that spiritual reality could be that they are beaten down and torn apart. So God, would you help us have compassion like you and would you help us be more like you and reach others? In Jesus' name.